Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Hello, everyone. How are you all doing? I'm really excited to be here today. I really enjoyed sharing God's word last time, and I'm happy that I get the chance to do it again. For those who don't know me, my name is Daniela, and I'm a youth leader here at Birmingham Vineyard, and I love an all-age service. Today, we'll be ending our series in Luke, and we will have a few kids and youth and adults involved in our service, um, and they will be using their acting skills to visually illustrate one of the parables for us. So today, we will be looking at what Jesus says about stewardship. But what does stewardship mean? It's not a word we use much these days. Stewardship is taking care of something we don't own that we have been entrusted with and been given responsibility for. And it's also a big part of what it means to faithfully follow Jesus. Biblical stewardship is the responsibility we have in maintaining and faithfully using the gifts God has given us. We will be looking at the parable of the ten minas, which is found in Luke 19, 11 to 27. If you have a Bible and if you'd like to follow the story with us, that would be great. There are three main points I want us to look at today, and we will be doing that by splitting the parable into three and looking at one point at a time. So we have kingdom responsibility, kingdom accountability, and kingdom lesson. Jesus tells people this story on his last trip to Jerusalem, where he was going to celebrate Passover with his disciples. He was going to bring God's plan to its fulfillment, and Jesus tells his disciples in Luke 18 that everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. We read in the book of Luke about miracles Jesus has performed, and how he showed people God's character to everything he did and the love he had for everyone. And some people believed that he was the one who will come and announce the kingdom of God. They thought that Jesus will become the king of Jews and free them from the Romans, and that the kingdom of God will happen all at once, immediately, and they will be witness to it. In Luke 17, Jesus tells the Pharisees that the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor people will say, here it is, or there it is. The kingdom of God is in your midst. So what will it look like when the kingdom of God will come? Or is it here already? The simple answer is yes. The kingdom of God showed first through Jesus while the kingdom of God happened then and is happening right now. It is also yet to come in the future. The concept of now and not yet simply gives us, the believers, an active part in the kingdom of God, which has not yet reached its full expression. Now, I would like to invite the kids and the youth to come up and if you'd like to, to follow the story, it's in Luke 19, 11, 27. So the first point we're going to look at is kingdom responsibility, which is Luke 19, 12, 14. 
So Jesus tells a story about a chosen man who planned to go to a distant country to become king and then to return to his people. Before he left, he called out 10 servants and gave them 10 minas. And just to give you a bit more information, it is believed that one mina was worth three months' wages at that time. Crazy, right? Anyway, after he gave them the money, the king asked them to use the money to invest and be productive. He said, put this money to work until I come back. This money are to be put to work towards his kingdom for when he returns. However, not everyone loved the king. There were people in his country who didn't like the king, and some people hated him, saying, we don't want this man to be our king. They also sent a delegation after him trying to stop him from becoming king or returning to the country. Now, I would like to... Can you guys take a seat for a moment and then we will come back to you. We're gonna have an, another moment to shine. <laughs> and I want us to look at this first point in a bit more depth. Um, so let's see what is Jesus saying to us through this parable. Jesus is telling us that this story is to help us understand him and his kingdom better. So a man of noble birth, just like Jesus, the beloved son of God, went to a distant country, Jesus went to heaven to become king, and then he is going to return to earth where everything and everyone will belong to him. The future king gave his people, just like Jesus gave us, something very valuable. Jesus gave himself to us, the good news and other gifts. The future king expected them to use the gifts wisely, to invest and to produce more for the kingdom, just like Jesus wants us to bring people closer to God for when he returns. The man was despised, just like Jesus was despised by Pharisees and other people who didn't believe in him, and was hated by many, and they tried to stop him from fulfilling God's purpose. As we know, Jesus liked speaking in parables, because it was, a, it was an easy way to help people understand his message. And money is being used in this parable as a metaphor. This parable is not particularly about any financial investment, but the investment of our actions, heart, relationship, and obedience in Christ. For the kingdom of God and what we do with the gifts Jesus has given us while we wait for his return. Now we're going to do something fun, and um, we're going to play a game of imagination. So what would it look like to be a faithful servant of this nobleman in this parable? If you are comfortable, you can close your eyes and imagine going back 2,000-ish years ago. You're probably wearing some funny-looking clothes and you're surrounded by many people. Some really don't want your master to become king and are actively opposing him. He's not a king yet, but you know he will be when he returns. He gave you some money 
and has asked you to invest for his kingdom. In order to invest, you have to go out in the public space. You might feel uncomfortable, maybe you will even face some persecution and opposition when investing in your master's gift. People might be mean to you, might make fun of you, or even trying to make, to make you give up because to them, your master's return seems unrealistic. Now you can open your eyes. How do you feel? What do you feel like is the right thing to do with the money? What do you want to do with the money? Looking at the fact that you are surrounded by many who don't like him, and now they might not like you because you are his servant. This is like when we make the decision to follow Jesus and accept him as king in our lives. There is a cost. Following Jesus involves risks and involves us stepping out involves us stepping out of our comfort zone in faith. Jesus invites us to openly declare ourselves to be loyal during his absence in a world where many hate, deny, and doubt him and his kingdom. Now, let's talk about gifts. In this parable, did you notice how the master generously and equally gave valuable coins, three months' wages, to his servants that he trusted. Now, we're gonna take like a two minute break, table discussion, and my question for you is, what do you think are the gifts that we have been given as followers of Jesus? Do you guys want to share some? Um, someone to go to, like whenever you need. He casts away the demons because he's with you. Anyone else? Mike? Uh, the gift of peace. That's good. One more. Anyone else? Friendship. That's nice. Right. So, Jesus is the most valuable gift God could ever give us. Jesus is alive and lives in us. Our hearts are transformed when we accept God's gift. When we accept Jesus, we are stewarding this gift for his glory and kingdom. God gives generously and equally to us all through his grace. Jesus is both master and the gift for us. The way we live our Christian lives should reflect Jesus. We should be rooted in him, alive in him, and complete in him. Jesus is supreme in everything. He is the Lord, he is sufficient, and is God's gift that he is asking us to steward. A few months ago, I was on the bus and I was doing my normal morning routine with Jesus, listening to worship music and praying. And then I had this picture come to my mind. It was a picture of a box. I thought, it would be weird, but we'll go with that. <laughs> And I think that was a crucial moment in my faith when I more realized that Jesus was a gift from God for me and is nothing that I had deserved. As I imagined opening that box, there were many other boxes inside. And inside each box, other boxes. And inside them boxes, more boxes. Just like the Russian dolls. 
But opening that first box, entering into a relationship with Jesus, allowed me to see his heart. And there's always more to discover and grow in, and also more to share with others. Now, youth, it's your time to shine again. So, come back. Thank you. I love an knowledge service. Right, so we will be looking at the second part of this parable. So despite all people who tried to stop him, the man of noble birth was made king. And then he returned. When he came back, he asked his servants what they have gained with the minas they have been given. However, the Bible only mentions three servants. The first one was called by the king and was asked to explain what he did with his money. He told the king that his mina has earned 10 more. And the king was well pleased when he heard that, saying, well done, my good servant, and rewarded him by putting him in charge of 10 cities. The second servant was called and asked the same question. He replied, Sir, your mina has earned five more. And he was rewarded by the king by putting him in charge of five cities. However, the third servant had a different answer when he was called to account for his mina. He has kept it safe in a piece of cloth and didn't use it at all. He was afraid of the king, saying he was a hard man. The king was not pleased with this servant's answer, and he said he will be judged by his own words. The king ordered that his mina to be taken away from him and to be given to the servant who had ten. And everyone was confused, as he already had ten minas. Thank you, you, if you can take a seat. Great acting skills. So let's put this into perspective. Despite all the people who tried to stop him, the man became king, just as nobody could stop Jesus from fulfilling God's plan. When he came back, he asked his people what they have done with the minas he has given them. And we will be held accountable for our actions on earth when Jesus comes back. The first two servants who did what the master asked got rewarded. And so are we when we, can, we, when we obey God's calling. But the last servant was afraid of the master and thought he was a hard man. The king ordered that his mina to be taken away from him and to be given to the one who has ten. I'd like us to look at the language used here by the servants. They could have said anything from, yeah, I've got a few, or look at mine, look how much money I've got. But instead, their attitude was really respectful and obedient. They have done exactly what the master has instructed them. They had nothing to hide, their hearts was clean, and they knew their master was pleased with them. They acknowledged that the money came from their master and the glory was his. Their master's gift and their faithful stewardship had a good result. 
But what about their reward? They got cities to be in charge of. Their reward is greater responsibilities, not privileges. They didn't get a mansion in one of the cities, but they got entire cities to be responsible and in charge for. I can only imagine what their reaction was like. Maybe surprised, pleased, proud, or maybe worried because they're, they've got higher responsibilities. Greater responsibilities come from a trusted partnership with Jesus. And this helps us continue to grow. Maybe sometimes we find ourselves in the position where God is calling us to greater responsibilities. And we doubt ourselves and worry of not being capable or good enough to carry on the task. But God always provides for us. If God is calling us to do something, he will be in that with us. The main point of the parable is that what we do with the gifts he has given us matter for now and in the future. Our faithfulness in stewarding God's gifts in these lives make a difference in how we experience life eternally. But what about the third servant? He claimed to be afraid of his master, but was he really afraid of him? Or was he doubting his return, thinking maybe he wouldn't become king after all? Or maybe did he just not want to face opposition from his master's enemies, so he kept quiet and his gift to himself? Clearly, the third servant has misjudged his master. Maybe he didn't know him very well. The gift he has been given was meant to be used. And because of his unfaithfulness, the master shows his judgment against him, leaving him with his self-created, distorted perception of his nature. The third servant missed out every step of the way. Psalm 18, 25 to 26 says, to the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To, the, to those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. The faithful servants understood their master's true nature, and they trusted him. But the unfaithful servant had a twisted vision of the master. The way we live influences the way we see God. And the way we see God influences the way we live. Everything starts from trust, just like any other relationships. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. In other words, our tongue has a great power. Words can bless or curse, and we should be careful of the words we use to others and also to ourselves, because words can condemn us. Just as the third servant has spoken about his master, he didn't know his master's heart, and yet he harshly judged him by saying, you're a hard man to deal with. Our words have eternal implications. And lastly, our third point is kingdom lessons. The king said that who has more, more will be given, and who has nothing, even if they have something, that will be taken away. The parable also ends with the king asking for all people who dis despised and didn't want him to become king to be killed. The text is clear. 
Jesus affirms that the one who responds with faithfulness to the gifts received will receive greater gifts, but the one who is not will lose everything. You might think that this parable ends quite harshly in verse 27 where he says, And as for these enemies of mine who didn't want me to be their king, bring them in and execute them right in front of me. This is a statement of what the enemies deserve, but also the text doesn't say what they have received. Many of the parables of the Jesus are left open-ended. Does the older son agree to be reconciled with his father in the parable of the prodigal son? We don't know. Does the wounded man taken into the inn by the good Samaritan makes it home? We don't know. So what about this parable? Does the unfaithful servant learn his lesson? Does he get to know his master better and repent? The master declares what the enemies deserve, but we don't know what they received. But we are left to reflect on the unfinished conclusion of the parable and also to reflect on our lives. Stewardship can be hard to do. Taking care and managing God's resources, it's hard. We don't know how the story ends for the unfaithful servant, but we do know how the story ends for the faithful ones and for us as faithful followers of Jesus. And we can look at our, at our own lives. First of all, do we know the king? Is Jesus our king? He offered us the greatest gift of all, himself. We can never reach the end of what he means to know Jesus. He is the gift, the gift that keeps on giving. If you don't know him as your savior, you can receive him today by willing to turn away from your sins and opening your heart to what he has done for you. He died on the cross and rose again so we can have eternal life. You can invite Jesus to come into your life through prayer. And prayer is just a form of conversation with God. We would love to pray for you if that's something you want. Or maybe you're a follower of Jesus and that means you are one of his servants and he has entrusted you with some gifts. Is there an area where God is inviting you to say yes to him today? What gifts has God entrusted you with? Is he inviting you to invest in the kingdom or share him or his gifts with others? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.